Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, a podcast for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Bridget. And I'm Colleen. And today we have who we like to call the Hallmark sweetheart, Nikki Deloche. And she's just a delight to talk to. She has done so many great things. Well, she's been a Cranberry Christmas and there's all kinds of check out the Hallmark channel because I know you will see her. And not only that is she is passionate about her work with Alzheimer's disease because her father passed away, which you will find out in the interview from that. And she just really puts her heart into everything that she does. So it was just a great conversation talking to her today. Yes. And unfortunately, I was unable to join the conversation because it was taped right after my daughter's wedding, where I went on a honeymoon with my husband. So, <laughs> and where the internet was spotty. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I couldn't get yeah. the internet right on the beach. I highly recommend to women who are organizing their daughter's weddings or their sons, really, it doesn't matter to plan your own little mini moon after because you have earned it and it really helps you decompress. So I thought, oh, how bad could it be on the beach? I'll get internet. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, I have to miss every once in a while on Colleen. You know, she just does a great job. But I think that's a great idea, Colleen, doing the mini moon after you go on your honeymoon while your child's on their honeymoon. Exactly. You you actually deserve it more because you planned the event and you're completely burnt out afterwards. Oh, yeah. What a great idea. A little, you know, a little highlight, guys, a little recommendation. Take a mini moon. But I did listen to the episode and it was great. You know, I have seen Nikki in several of the Hallmark movies because I am a Hallmark fan. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And I believe this year, the October 22nd starts the Christmas movies. And there's 41 new Christmas movies on Hallmark alone, not even including Lifetime or Netflix. It's all Christmas for the next three months. Just enjoy or two and a half months. And Nikki is such an advocate for um, Alzheimer's. She talks about the four different types of dementia, which I didn't even realize there were four different types. So that was really helpful. She talks about some heart conditions and issues her son has and the work Mm -hmm. she is doing for that as well. It's really, she has a lot of passion projects, which is lovely. And And I asked her, my first question was, when do you sleep? (laughs) Because she does so much and she makes that a priority. So you'll find that out in the interview. You'll find out. Yes. She does talk about her secrets to looking amazing, which she does. And Bridget was sure to talk to her about what she does to stay in shape and to stay healthy mentally and physically. So uh, guys, make sure you are subscribing to the podcast. We are weeks away from starting our 12 days of holiday giveaways, and it is going to be amazing products that are going to be unique, right on the target for what you want for the holidays for yourself. So make sure to let your husband, your children know that this giveaway is going to be happening November 16th through December 9th. Every other day, we're going to be giving away just amazing products. I can't wait to share them with our Mm -hmm. listeners. I know. And also we're going to be formulating a gift guide that will be going out the beginning of November, which will have unique gifts for midlife women. So if you really don't know what you want 
for this holiday season, this guide will help you find something that is perfect for you. They're unique gifts. A lot of them are women or minority-owned small brands, small businesses, because we love promoting them. And the gift guide will be available on our website, but make sure to also follow us on Instagram, Hot Flashes, and Cool Topics so that you can get first look at the guide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also we have a Patreon page. So if you want to catch the video to the Nikki Delosha interview, check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash hot flashes, cool topics. And we will talk to Nikki Deloche. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, everybody. We are so happy today to have Nikki Deloche on. And you probably know her from Awkward and know her from wonderful Hallmark movies, Cranberry Christmas. And I don't know when she gets anything done because she is so busy. She's an actress, a producer, a Hallmark star. She has a wonderful blog. And she also works with the Alzheimer's Association and just so many things. So my first question is, when do you sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I will say the one thing that I I may not do, as anybody, if you see images of this, I may not do my hair and I may not do my makeup. I most likely will not be getting pedicures or manicures. Um, So none of that will be happening in my life. Um, But I do fight for my sleep. I fight so hard for it. And everybody should, because I will tell you, being an advocate for Alzheimer's and dementia, that is a big part of prevention is making sure that you sleep. I did not know this until I started working with them. Um, And I haven't slept my whole life. Like since I was a baby, I just never slept and there was too much to get done. And then, you know, I lost my grandfather to Alzheimer's and then my dad got, um, he got dementia, early onset dementia in his fifties. And so for me, when that hits your family like that, you just start diving into not only just philanthropic stuff, what can I do to help? But you start learning everything that you can. And at the time, the Alzheimer's Association was doing, putting together something called a pointer system. They did studies all over the world with people to help find a system that we can point to that can help us with preventative measures. And one of the top things was sleep. So get your sleep. Alzheimer's affects far more women than it does men. In fact, I think two thirds of the people who get it are women. So get your sleep, take care of your body, protect it, forego the pedicure if you have to get the extra sleep. (laughs) It is about setting priorities because on top of that, you have two sons and you're married. Two boys. Two boys. Yes. And (laughs) I mean that, and you know, that is so important for women because that is probably the first thing we let go. It is. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. We'll sleep. We'll sleep when they're off to college or we'll sleep with you. You know, we make up all of these things. And, and I have to say that when you really, when I sat down and it is about prioritizing, you hit the nail on the head with that. Like when I look at my schedule and I look at my stuff, I'm like, what is the very most important, right? My my sleep in in terms for me for self-care, that is my sleep. I do a devotional every morning with my, my work partner, my work wife, my getting my devotional, getting my prayer in, you know, I may not, like I said, I may not have my makeup done, but my heart will be good. And my, my head will be in a good space. If I, if my heart, my head is in a good space, then, you know, we can kind of take on anything. So it's really about prioritizing. Well, I also want to find out more just 
about Hallmark in general, all those Ooh. movies, do they mostly film in Vancouver? Or do a they film other- them, I do, A lot of them film in Canada. However, we are filming more and more in the States. Um, the movie that's about to come out on September 25th, Taking the Reins. Um, we filmed that in Connecticut, which was wonderful because I haven't spent a lot of time in Connecticut. I'm obsessed with the Northeastern part of our country now. I want to move there. I'm ready to go tomorrow. Um, I just have to get my husband on board. Um, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And so, and then the movies, I've done a couple other movies and we did both of those in Savannah. So, you know, it's, I've, I have filmed a lot in Canada, but we are moving over here a little bit more. A little bit more. Yeah. And so yeah. taking the reins, can you just share a little bit about what the backstory is with taking the reins? For sure. It is yes. about this woman. Her name is Sam. And she, um, her whole entire life, she was a show, competitive show jumper. And it's all she really knew. She got married very young. Um, she competed. She got married so young that her and her husband couldn't really figure out how to grow together. So they ended up growing apart and they get divorced at a very young age as well. And then she suffered this great humiliation in her career. So we meet her at the beginning of the movie after she's walked away from everything. She's walked away from the ex. She's walked away from the show jumping. And, um, and then because of work, she actually, her two worlds collide because her family is hosting the Northeastern show jumping championships in her backyard at home. And she's covering it for her magazine. So she has to go home. She's thrust back into that world where there was a lot of stuff left that she didn't deal with. And now she has to deal with it, including her ex-husband, who is now her trainer, including her dad, that she hasn't really spoken to in a long time. And, you know, it is still all, all, all the things about Hallmark movies that we love. It still make you feel good. There's still kisses and romance and all of that stuff. But what we really wanted to address with the character of Sam, we wanted to address a couple of things. One of them was the theme of, you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I did as a person who started in this industry when I was really young. And my brother did, who was a kid who was on the baseball track. He was going to go pro. And um, where all of a sudden you wake up and you go, am I doing this for myself? Am I doing that? Like, is this really actually making me happy or am I just doing this because it's all I know? Right. Yes. So you yes. reach that place in your life where you're like, why, why, why am I doing this? Is this fulfilling me? Is it part of my purpose? I don't know. So Sam is in that place, but also, you know, we wanted to explore with everything that's happened in the last like year and a half to two to four years, two years through however you want to call it. Families have been broken apart over politics and social issues and everything. And we wanted to explore a dynamic where, I mean, we're not talking about COVID or politics, but, you know, a father-daughter miscommunication of something that they have very deep disagreement over. But watch the two of these people find the love that actually exists underneath it. Because I feel like sometimes, you know, we get so wrapped up in the need to be right that we forget mm -hmm. that we love the other person that we're arguing with or we're in conflict with. So we really also wanted to explore something that I feel is very timely, but do it in a way in the world of Hallmark. And, yes. um, and hopefully we, and hopefully people will really relate to it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and maybe be moved if there's something like that going on be moved to make amends with what's going on because it is important yes it is I mean my my family and I you know we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum politically and we've had to figure out our way around that you know we've had to figure out how to talk about politics without fighting we've had to figure out how to be on opposite sides without losing you know respect and love for each other and we've really worked hard to do that so I just I guess I feel like the more stories that we can tell about that um maybe the more blueprints that we give people for how to find their way back to each other after conflict. Absolutely. And and you were talking about when you've started something younger, uh-huh. well, you started young, you started young in your career. So can you share how, yeah. well, like she was, you were part of that Mickey Mouse club where all the things happened. <laughs> I True. Mean, yeah. How many people did they choose for that? Was that like 12? So we were the new seven kids that were being added and we were the young, youngest ones. So there were already a group of kids that already existed on the show. I think there were like four, maybe 13 of them. There were, there were 13 that are 12 that already existed on the show, maybe. And we were the new young kids coming in. So yes, yeah, seven of us and they auditioned. I mean, I think over 20,000 kids auditioned for this in the United States and Canada. I mean, they did a massive search. Um, I still, I'm like, I'm going to be very honest with you, Bridget. I still am like, that is all God that I got on that show because there's so much talent. I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, like when you look at it, you're like, how did I end up getting picked for this? Like I look at Christina Aguilera and I understand why that child had, or now woman, but she had the voice that she has now. She had that as a child. Yes. And you imagine seeing a 12 year old open her mouth and that voice comes out. So you're like, you look at Christina and you're like, no, I totally get, get why you why had she it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, but I, I still pinch myself. It was, it was honest to God, just such a dream come true, but like really surreal to this day. It, it is amazing to me, just the number of people that have continued on with the careers that were on that show on that season it seems almost idea your path seems idea because it was kind of gradual and you're you're with hallmark in such a wholesome wonderful company and it's also you've got all these movies that are that can anybody can watch you can sit down with your children or your little nieces and nephews and you can watch this and you're not going to worry that you're going to have to do some explaining when it's over. Yeah. Yes. Have to have a, let's pause. Yes. Let's have a conversation. No, for sure. You don't. You yes. really don't. And I, and I think that families really appreciate that, that there's something on television they can watch with their whole family. They really do. And that has been great that Hallmark does that. And then your other film work, you know, you've done, you were on Awkward and I saw somewhere where you voted like a hottest mom or something like that. That was it. That was a thing. That was awkward. Yeah. That was awkward. Which goes along with awkward, you know, with the the title. I know. I know. Listen, I'll take it. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I would take it. How does anything? I'll take it. Now, you look fantastic. And just curious if there's any secrets you have, which I heard sleep. Sleep is priority. So right now, and I know that's number one. And any other little tidbits or secrets you want to share with our listeners? For sure. I have plenty of them. Um, I would say uh, 
so for me, I, you know, I struggled with acne my whole life. So uh, the one thing I do do for myself that I like, I like am so, I, I really am good with my skin. I do my facials. She does the extractions of any kind of, I know, listen, I mm -hmm. am a woman of a certain vintage and I still get zits on my face. Oh, it's I like, did. I did. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. I'm like, I will be a hundred years old, God willing, knock on wood. And I will still have zits on my face and be going to my esthetician being like, can you remove this colossal zit? Um, so I do get facials and I feel like if you get a great esthetician who I don't do Botox, I don't do, I haven't done any of that yet. Um, and I say yet because like, I know it will come. I'm just not ready for it yet. So I do do my facials. Uh, I do, I believe in the power of, of eating well. I drink lots of like really good teas, hydrate, um, working out is a really big deal for me because not because of my body that switched a long time ago. Um, I had, after my first kid, I had like suicidal postpartum anxiety mm -hmm. and I could not get out of it. I'm not a medication. Like it's very hard for me to take medication. I would have taken in a heartbeat if it would have helped, but it made it everything worse. So we realized like I'm a person that actually cannot really take medication. And so I just had to like get myself wow. through it. And the one thing that helped was exercise. I got my heart going, that oxytocin, that dopamine pumping through my body, those natural like hormones and stuff. And I have to say like week by week, it, I just started coming back to myself. It took a while, but I did. And it changed everything for me in terms of working out. I no longer thought about working out in terms of like fitting into jeans or having a certain type of, you know, muscly booty or like whatever. Like I let go of all of that. And it only became about my mental health, to be honest. And it's been great because I, when you're, when you let go of the, like what you want your body to look like. And instead you're just doing something for your mental and emotional health. You enjoy it so much more. Um, so working out is a big, 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 huge one for me. And, you know, I think like it's all the things that everybody says, just, you know, don't drink too much. Don't, you know, eat too much bad food, like everything in moderation, but, um, sleep is huge really. Mm -hmm. And facials. Yes. Sleep and facials. I, I could, I could live with both of those. Say we only get this one life. Like why not make the things that we need to do for ourselves fun and however we need to get to that place to make it fun, like do it. Like that's my whole thing. It's an, and, 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 and if you're doing something for the, at like, I want a six pack or I want this or I want that. Like for me and at my other people, that might be like something that gets them going. But for me, I was like, yeah. that's not going to get me out of bed to yeah. go do this thing, but feeling good and having fun, that's going to get me out of bed. Um, so it just changes everything. One of the benefits of podcast and why I love to listen to podcasts, why I love to do podcasts, because well, I, I was always like, I think like a, you know, I was like a Doogie Hauser child. I was like, you know, 10 years old listening to talk radio because I wanted to understand, you know, the social dynamics of institutions and stuff like that. I mean, like really just ridiculous. And I think that podcasting has become like, it's, it's like talk radio, but entertaining. It's also like, you can find the talk radio on podcasts, but also like it's, 
people having conversations about things that really matter Yes, at the end of the day. And I think that it has been especially good for women because for so many years, and what I, when I mean so many years, I mean the entire history of the world and the country, you know, women were not allowed to talk about the things that they actually experienced. And it's so, you know, it's so, it does bring up so much anger for me in a way, because I'm like, people should be throwing us parades. Oh, yes. We should be getting parades, like once a month, wherever we are, there should be a parade going down Main Street (laughs) to celebrate women and all that we have done, you know, for humanity. Like I think women are incredible and we are so strong and we are so smart and we should be at every single table making all the decisions next Mm -hmm. to minute, you know, um, because we would live, we would live in a different society. We would. Mm -hmm. If women were in positions of power like men are. Yes, yes. It just, just you know, we want to be at the table. Let us, it makes a room at that table. Scoot over. Yeah. <laughs> we're not kicking you all out. Just make no. us some room. Yes, no, yes. we're not. You can stay. We want you to stay. We need right. different opinions. But that's the point is that there's been one opinion for a very, very, very long time making decisions on behalf of everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's not okay anymore. Right. Exactly. You know, and which brings me to your wonderful blog, what we (laughs) are. Oh, I I love just the topics on it. You know, there were just all kinds of different topics that you address. So can you share how you came about with your blog, came up with the blog with your partner and, and what your goal is there? Yeah, of course. Um, so my blog partner, Jenny, uh, Jen Didi, she, um, her and I met, gosh, so many years ago in acting class. And we did, we were at a place in our lives where we were looking around and we were both kind of going through some stuff. And I was like, why aren't any, why aren't, people talking about the hard stuff. It's kind of like everybody, this was at a place in time where everybody was just showing up and everything was great and life was great. And, um, you know, jobs at work is great and everything is just great. And there was this kind of painted on expression all the time on, on, you know, people's faces. And I was like, am I the only one that are, that is going through things? And she was like, no girl, no, let me tell you what I'm going through. And I said, okay, well, let's promise you, promise each other this. We are going to show each other the messy. We are going to be 100% authentic as we find our authentic selves. We are going to be super open with each other. And this friendship was born, a friendship born on authenticity and just truth. We are going to share everything. And what started to happen was we it began to filter out like into all of our other relationships and people would be like, well, what's going on over here with the two of you? And like, it changed everything. Our whole giant friend group, you know, all of a sudden it was okay for all of us to be able to share the messy and what we were going through. And Jen and I were like, we really want to start a blog or we really want to start the community where women are able to share their authentic selves with without a filter and without shame, without any of that attached to it. So we started what we are to really be able to highlight women, extraordinary women. Some of them, you know, like Jamie Lynn Sigler and Jillian Rose Reed, and some of them you don't know, Um, you know, friends of ours who have went through, who have gone through things that are 
pretty incredible. And, 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 and we were like, can you share your story of what that was like for you to go through? And it's, we've talked about, you know, postpartum MS eating disorders, um, fertility issues, you know, we've re- a race, um, we've kind mm-hmm. of, you know, any, no topic is off limits. Um, yeah, no topic is off limits. And, it's been really great to do it. Yeah. It, it's, I feel like with that, with something like that, if you don't feel alone, if you don't feel like there is, if when you feel like you are not alone and when you feel like a situation is happening to you, if you think you're the only one, you think there's something wrong with you. 100%. If we want to be able to understand humanity and be in relationship with humanity, we have to listen to humanity. We have to make room for everyone's story. And then we have to make room in ourselves to be able to hear their story and wrap our understanding and empathy around it. I think that we have gotten ourselves in trouble in society by it's a lost art. And we have gotten ourselves in some deep, deep trouble in these last years by not making space for people and their stories and what they're going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just take off that judgmental hat that you have on. And, you know, I'm like, if somebody's not being abused, then it's none of my business. (laughs) You know, that's what like, if somebody's getting hurt physically or being abused, but if they're not, yeah, that is, not, that is not my life. That is not yeah. my business. And whatever's going to make them happy and great, good for them. And, you know, yeah. I, I love that about your blog. About And, and I want to tell you. all the listeners, it's welcome to whatweare.com. So Thank if you want to find a great blog and just some re, uh, affirmation, <laughs> then that's a great blog to go to. And You're then, doing great. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It's like, if you're feeling, you know, or if you even want to just comment on it and everything you have room for that I love that yeah I love it and then also a very important topic and I know it's near and dear to your heart is your work with the Alzheimer's Association Mm -hmm. and I am so sorry about the loss of your father I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry and and yeah and I just you know if you can share a little bit what you do and you also are working with Mind What Matters which is a nonprofit for caregivers which is very important for women because you're probably going to have somebody that you love that has, this has happened to. So do you mind sharing about that? Not at all. Um, these are the most, you know, besides my kids and my family and friends, this is the most important thing that I do. I, I'm lucky enough to have a great job that I love, but um, this is where my passion is. Um, so yeah, like I said earlier, my grandfather was diagnosed. He had actually vascular dementia because he had had strokes. So that's what caused his dementia. And there's actually four different types of, um, there's four different types of dementias. They all fall under the umbrella. There's the regular Alzheimer's that most people know about. There is the vascular dementia, which is another category. There's Lewy body dementia. And then the fourth category is, um, frontal temporal dementias. Um, most of them are pretty rare and aggressive. And my dad had something called Pick's disease, which is a frontal temporal dementia disease. It is, um, uh, it is, it was early onset. Um, it's fatal and it is fast. And, um, I found out in the same month that I was pregnant with my second child. And we had found out while he was in utero that he would have to have 
multiple heart surgeries to fix his heart. Um, I also found out about my dad's diagnosis and man, it has been a brutal four years. And we now know that he had the disease. I was trying to get my mother to get him tested years before we found out, but this is one thing I tell people who are listening. If you have someone in your life and you think they are struggling with, you know, um, memory issues or their personality, my dad's did, was having memory issues, but his biggest thing was his whole personality began to shift. And I kept saying to my mother, like somebody doesn't just wake up one day, a different person, like something is wrong. And we actually thought it was a tumor because he was like in his fifties. And why would a man in his fifties have dementia, right? Go and get them tested. They may fight you. I don't care. Book the appointment, get them there. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause that is very, very, very important. And so, you know, it was, it was fast and furious with my dad and, um, he, uh, passed away on July 27th at one eleven in the morning. And, um, I was by his side and I held his hand and, you know, I, this is going to happen to the numbers are only going to quadruple in the next 10 to 15 years in terms of people who got Alzheimer's and dementia, which means the number of caregivers are also going to quadruple. So the reason I work with these two organizations is because Alzheimer's association really focuses on, um, a pouring money into research and Development, not just for to find a cure for this disease, but for any type of medicines that we can find that can help prevent, that can help slow down, and also any other preventative measures that can happen. And the reason that we want to give our money to them is because, yes, organizations like the NIH exist, the National Institute of Health, but that's a government agency. There's so much red tape. As great as they are, they're, a, a, a research and development study um, at the NIH may take 15 years. We're at the Alzheimer's Association, it'll take two. You know, so they are really moved. That's all they are focused on. And so for me, it's I raise awareness because I know through them we are going to. When I take my last breath in this world, I I'm praying that we don't have to. I don't have to worry about this for my children. Um, and mind what matters. I got involved with that organization because it is really the only organization that exists that is solely focused on caregivers of dementia and Alzheimer's. So what's happening actually is there's actually a large group of young people that are actually having to quit college, quit jobs you know, give up their future really to stay at home and take care of a parent. And, um, so we are looking for those people that need financial assistance and we are trying to raise the money to give them financial assistance so that they could either hire someone and act, you know, to come in and help with their parents, or they could be able to put them in a place that is really good for them, whatever that looks like, whatever caregiving looks like for them so that they actually don't have to give up their entire lives. And for some people, it really is about, you know, being able to possibly even just bring somebody in for five hours a week just so they can have a break. Right. Um, and that is so important. I mean, after seeing what my mother went through with my dad and some and in this disease specifically, it, it often takes the caregiver before it takes the person with the disease. And um, and so it's 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 
wildly important. Um, so yes, please go to mind what matters, the Alzheimer's association, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick N I K Deloach D E L O A C H. Um, I do a walk to end Alzheimer's every year with my two girlfriends, Ashley Williams and Kimberly Williams Paisley. And we're on a a team. We're on a team together. We raise money for Alzheimer's. So there's a bunch of stuff coming up. We also have an eighties dance party that we, that Kimberly and Brad host every single year. So you can go and buy tickets for that and come and, and dance with us and party with us. And all the money goes to the Alzheimer's association. Come join my team and walk with me from anywhere in the country or the world. Um, and that is on November 6th. Uh, the dance is the next weekend, which is, I think the 13th. Um, so just follow me on Instagram for any and all information that you need about Alzheimer's and dementia, because I am, I mean, you know, losing my dad, um, has definitely been the most painful experience of my life. And, you know, he was the greatest dad that ever lived. Um, and, you know, I am so lucky to have gotten the time that I did with the greatest dad who ever walked the earth. Um, you know, some people don't even know their dads. Right. So right. I, I know that there is a giant blessing in that. And also he was taken at 66 years old and that's way too soon. And I don't want this to happen to anyone else's loved one. So get involved, put your pain into something purposeful and um, join me. Uh. Well, we all appreciate that so much. We appreciate people like you and Kimberly Williams Paisley and her sister that, you know, this happened to you and you're going to get the word out. Another another thing, you're not alone. When this is happening you're to you, there are other people who are using their voices and their platform to bring awareness to it. And that is so appreciative. And just listening to you because you know so much about, I didn't know about the types of dementia. My mother had frontal lobe dementia. She had a stroke and she was a lot older. I'm one of 12 kids. (laughs) So I'm number 11. So she was 40 when I was born, but she passed away in 2013 and she um, was doing really well. She was 84 or 85 and she had a stroke. After she had that stroke, she had the stroke in November and she passed away in July. So the stroke happened in November and she passed away in July. And by the time she passed away, like, you know, she, she would wait. She, if she knew kind of that my face was familiar when I came in the door, if she was awake, if she took a nap and she woke up, she didn't know who I was. I, I, I go through this also being an advocate at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, taking families through heart surgeries with their little ones. And it's so interesting how many people are actually in the beginning, especially really adverse to reaching out for help. Like yes. they don't have the answers. They don't know what to do, but they're so scared to ask somebody, especially if they don't know that person. And I'm the opposite I will pick up the phone and call anyone. I will like, I will literally be like, Hey, so you, you're, you're an expert in this, or you went through this. My name's Nikki. And I'd like to talk to you about my, you know, so I understand, but I, but the nine times out of 10, the person does really is resistant to asking for help. And so what I'm trying to do is normalize that. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. normalize that. And in, in that's why I talk about it so much as well, as it's like, I've asked for help. I've learned how to ask for help because when I 
when I had to become an advocate for my child, I was like, I don't have a choice. I have to ask for help. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this. And nine times out of 10, we don't know how to do the things that life throws at us, right? But we have to learn to normalize the asking for help and to make it just be a part of what we do. When something happens, we go, okay, who can I ask for help? So I would say to your friends or anybody, if it, please reach out to me. I'm happy to talk them through anything or send them in direction of people that could potentially like help them. Cause it's so, it's just so hard. And every case is a little bit different. And especially with Alzheimer's and dementia, you just don't know, you do, you right. know, until you're in it. And then you're, you're like, Oh wow, this is so much harder than I ever thought it would be. And then you do feel alone inside of that. And, you know, so I have a few more things and you have just been so gracious with your time, but I'd love to hear more. You said your child, that you really got into the work with your child with a heart uh, Mm -hmm. issues. And then also, so go ahead and share that. And then I'll ask another question I want to ask more about. (laughs) But uh, if you don't mind sharing a little bit, I know you've done a lot with that. Yeah. So he, you know, we found out when he was in utero that he had four heart defects that would require a giant overhaul on his heart when he was born. So at day five, he was five days old. He did his first giant heart surgery. He had his second one a year later, and then his third one six months after that. So three in the first two years of his life, and he'll have to have more. Um, and I can't even begin to tell you, um, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles is the greatest children's hospital in all the land. I mean, the 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 we were so fortunate. I mean, the the surgeon there, Dr. Von Starnes, um, he is one of the top pediatric heart surgeons, not just in our country, but in the world. And, um, you know, I, I'm saying that for any mother out there who's listening or any person who knows someone that is going through this, it is the most common defect that children are born with. One out of a hundred kids are born with a heart defect. Now, so we don't often catch them because they don't do echocardiograms on babies whenever they first come out, unless they think that there's going to be a problem, right? My youngest, my oldest never has never had an echocardiogram in his life. You know, um, I would love to, again, before I take my last breath in this world, make it mandatory that when children are born, they have echocardiograms done on their heart and it's paid for by insurance. And it's just something that happens because when you are dealing with one out of a hundred kids born with this, we need to be doing echocardiograms on them when they're born. Um, and because I've heard horror stories of parents losing just one day, their kid didn't wake up and it was a heart problem. And they did not know the whole entire time because you can actually live sometimes for a while without knowing that there's something going on with your heart and heart issues also cause dementia and Alzheimer's, by the way. So if there, my dad ended up, we found out we didn't even know this because he had never had an echocardiogram. He had an enlarged heart. Oh, that runs in our family. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, that runs in our family. So these are things we need to know. We need to be so proactive about our health because if you've got something going on with your heart that can be fixed and prevent you from getting dementia, Alzheimer's, or heart disease later on, heart disease being the number one killer of people in the United States of America, then we need to be proactive about this, right? So get your heart checked. If you're out there, my whole family, I have now sent to get their hearts checked. My husband, everyone that I know, I'm like, have you had your heart checked? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, get your kids' hearts checked. 
Uh, and here's the cool thing about Children's Hospital, you know, and why it's not just that they saved my kid's life. They saved millions of kids' lives. And they do so if you don't have insurance, if you don't have money, it does not matter. They will not turn your child away and they will give your child the same care as any other child. So we raise money. We raise a lot of money for the hospital to make sure that we can take care of all children. It broke my heart to be in that hospital. And there was another little baby that was in there and her parents weren't there. And I asked like, well, where are the parents? And, you know, and, and one of the nurses holding the baby because she wanted the baby to be able to be held. Right. And she's like, I just come in here and hold her and pick her up so that she knows. And, and both parents were working between the two of them, five jobs, five jobs. So they couldn't be at the hospital. They couldn't take off because they were living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. So I am a big believer of the measure of a good country is how well we take care of our most vulnerable. And we are failing in so many ways in this country. We are doing a lot of really great things, but we are failing when it comes to taking care of our society's most vulnerable and children fall into that, that group. Absolutely. I couldn't say it better. It's, it absolutely is. And I want to thank you so much for your time. But if we have time, can you share with me this new project you're working on? The, yeah. Uh, the Fugitive Safe Surrender. I, I oh, thought that yes. sounded so interesting. Thank you so much. Well, I actually, so I have Taking the Reins that comes out September 25th on Hallmark. It's a fall movie. Romance, people, if you want to just turn something on and just like check out for 90 minutes, it's perfect. Um, I'm also about to go film my Christmas movie on Wednesday. And then I've also written another movie with my writing and producing partner that I'm not in that will air on Hallmark on December 18th called Christmas for Keeps. Um, but I'm not in that one. I just wrote it. And then this other project called Fugitive Safe Surrender, my writing and producing partner, we, we were so fortunate to have this um, IP from a book written, brought to us and said, we, this is a really important story. We don't know what to do with it. Can we kind of hand this over to you guys to see if like what you would do with it? And we read it and we're both like, this is not only incredible, but it is a story that needs to be told now. And here is why. So many years ago, Camden, New Jersey was, was considered one of the most dangerous cities in the whole entire country. And New Jersey was considered one of the most dangerous states at the time. And this incredible man, Jim Plusis, he was a U.S. Marshal under Bush, and then he became a U.S. Marshal for the state of New Jersey. And he wrote a book on this program, this initiative that was started because they were really trying to take a look at like, why is this happening to our state, to our hometown? Like what is going on? And they realized that there were thousands upon thousands of warrants that were out with traffic violations, petty crime, you know, things that really at the end of the day, people just didn't have the money or the means to be able to handle. So what did they do? They ran. And then when you run and you don't have a license and you can't become a member of society again because you can't get a job, what do you do? You do whatever you have to do to survive. So it's this cycle uh, that just keeps happening. So they were like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to create a program where people could turn themselves in and then stand before a judge and they, we can get this worked out. 
If it is a warrant that was nonviolent and we can, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll put you on a payment plan. We'll clear your name. You can get your, uh, you can go be a member of society again. And what they ended up doing, I mean, it was a giant lift to do this, but they really thought about it and thought in order to be able to do this, we have to know, people have to know that they can trust us. So they got the church involved. So Jim brought in Father Mike Mannion, who is one of my favorite priests in all the land. He spent over 20 years with Mother Teresa. And then this incredible man, um, uh, uh, Reverend Parker, who ran one of the biggest churches at the time in Camden. So if you turned yourself in at Reverend Parker's church, there were judges there in these little setup in these little booths, and we would clear your name and let you re- like become a member of society again. And they ended up saving the lives of over 18,000 people in the state of New Jersey. They wow. repeated the program four other times and turned their entire city, their entire state around. And it, it's just it was it, it working. You had police officers working with clergymen together to heal the community, right? Right now, we have everyone fighting on how to do this, right? And now we have a story about the heart that exists behind the badge and the heart that exists behind the cloak. And these men and women in these different institutions working together to give people a second chance at life. We have never needed this story more. So um, we are looking for, if anybody listening or anyone that you know has been saved by this initiative, we are wanting to tell your story. And so uh, please like, let us know, get in touch with me on Instagram or on Twitter or any of the social media. I'm on Facebook too. And let us know so that we can, and if you want to, so that we can tell your story of how this program saved your life. Cause really and truly the whole goal of this is to be able to have these programs throughout the country so that people Absolutely. can get legitimately not get stuck in the system and actually be given a chance to live a life, the life that they really deserve. That is fabulous. I think that I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to hearing Thank it. And you. I hope this reaches out to so many people Thank because you. people deserve it. And so many of them are young and then yes. if they're young and this happens. Yes. They're it's just the starting their life. Well, I thank you so much, so much for your time and all these incredible topics and projects and everything that you're doing. It's just like your heart must be really huge and not yeah. not that kind of heart, are huge, <laughs> right. not, a, not a defect, but just not in a heart emotion, surgery kind not of way. That, not hypertrophic <laughs> cardiomyopathy, no. But <laughs> and I was like, that didn't sound good when I said it. But, but thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I mean, every, it's so important the work you're doing and also the entertainment and the joy that you bring. So thank you so much. You have I a great, really yeah, have a great day. Well, I'm a little sad that I missed this amazing conversation with Nikki, and I hope to have the opportunity to meet her at some point in time because what she's doing for Alzheimer's and heart conditions with children, congenitive heart problems, it's just, you can tell the, you can hear the passion in her voice with what she's doing. So we thank her for her time. Make sure to check her out on Hallmark because she is Hallmark's sweetheart and will be on many of the shows, not just 
Christmas, but the, she also did a fall one that came out September 25th. So check that one out as well. Guys, make sure, like I said in the beginning, you are subscribing to the podcast because you never know who we're going to have on next. It's always going to be informative and related to midlife and beyond. So with that said, have an amazing week. Bridget, thank you for taking the reins on this one. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, it was a delight. So thank you all so much. And like Colleen said, make sure you subscribe, make sure you rate, and make sure you follow us on all social media platforms and have a great day. (laughs) 